Howdy, 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 howdy. What's up, man? How are you? A whole lot, man. Oh, I hear you. You're writing. A whole lot. Writing books and shit, man. Writing books and shit and touring with books and stuff. And I guess we'll say we'll save our conversation for who's reading whose mail here. <laughs> I know, dude. Uh, like, for, for, for when we get on live. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, I'm so glad you wrote a whole book uh, dedicated to our podcast. This is uh, this is an honor. I, I've been a big fan. I hear you. <laughs> I'm so glad your podcast is so dedicated to my book. <laughs> It is Wednesday as you, the listener, uh, consume this content. I don't know whether to say happy Wednesday, uh, good morning, because quite frankly, it might not be a good morning. It might not be a happy Wednesday. Uh, the world could have changed one way or another for the better, for the worse, or uh, who knows how you're doing as you hear this the morning or the afternoon after Super Tuesday. I don't know. Hopefully, it's something that gets your mind off all the bullshit. It's Tuesday night as I record this open. I had Matthew McConaughey on about a week ago. And this is one of those guests that you circle during the football season and it just stares you down. <laughs> it just stares you down. It's like, I hope I come correct when I talk to one of my favorite actors of all time. I hope it's, uh, you know, he's one of the most interesting people in Hollywood. I hope I, I can keep the ball in the air with this guy. Uh, as I started watching interviews and kind of picking up, you know, the way he rolls, like he just makes it easy. He makes it easy on the interviewer. And that's what I felt as I went about asking him questions. And I got up from my chair after this, this pod and I said, that pod was a 10 out of 10. And I had about nothing to do with that. So this dude's great. I mean, he really is ad as advertised. A lot of people that I talked to um, from Scott Van Pelt, Stanford Steve, Rosillo, guys that have interviewed him before said and met him. And Nate Boyer, who uh, was Texas Longhorn, Green Beret, uh, my buddy that does Waterboy stuff with me, Conquering Kelly, met him in some Texas circles. The guy's reputation precedes him. He was uh, he was as as advertised. So the reason he's here is. He wrote a book and the book is called green lights. It's currently the number one best-selling nonfiction book on the New York times bestseller list. If I got that right, which is no surprise to me, he's a deep dude. I read the book, even in football season, doing three, four pods a week. I don't read a lot of books, but I read this one cause I wanted to be prepared. And I was really interested in it from the minute I picked it up to to the last page and it's a quick read because I think he has a really good way of conveying deep, very personal subjects in a way that we can all digest them. Uh, so I thought taking a crack at being an author, he's doing a great job. And when you got a voice like Matthew McConaughey, you can say whatever the fuck you want. And I would think it was deep, but there is depth to everything he's talking about. Uh, and he kind of opens the door to his life and everything that's made him who he is. So. Anytime somebody does that, it should be celebrated. But when you're one of the most well-known people in Hollywood, it's pretty cool. And it's not a cookie cutter Hollywood uh, allegory. It's like, it's interesting. Texas 
last place you think a, an actor would come from for some reason, just with the, with the way he talked about his upbringing and that sort of thing and the different roads he almost took. Without further ado, uh, if you can this Wednesday, again, I don't know what, what's going on uh, in real time as, you, uh, as you're as you listening to this pod. Kick back, get your mind off the bullshit, and uh, let's hear Matthew McConaughey on um, his book, Green Lights. The season's in full swing and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports, this is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right. You bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code GREENLIGHT when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right. You bet and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code GREENLIGHT during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Matthew McConaughey, who, who needs no introduction, I, although I did intro him coming in. Uh, the book was great. I don't read a lot of books, which is a flaw of mine. Uh, this thing flew by. I think one reason this flew by, man, is because you don't try to be too... You don't try to overthink anything. You speak it in a way that people can understand it. Do, do you consciously do that in the book? I mean, it's profound, but it's simple yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it, I've done a lot of thinking to get it down to where it's simple. Um, you know, I, 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 early drafts, like an early thought I can look at. That's how I kind of do all my creative work. The first version is long and way overwritten. Right. And then I just try to nestle that down to go, okay, where can we, let's get rid of all the wasted shit that you don't need in here. And what's the nut of the conversation and what is it? How can I, how can I express it in a way that's true to me, but also relatable to you or whoever else can read it? Yeah. And everything's relative. Like some of these stories are you know, only stories that somebody with your life experiences or access might be able to, to gain, uh, but people have to go apply it to their lives in their own ways, right? Yeah, I mean, no one's gonna have, you know, a particular, the, the exact same kind of year I had where I was, say, an exchange student abroad in Australia for a year yes. right out of high school. It was a hellacious, <laughs> insane year. No one will have that exact experience, but everybody's had a time where they're all feeling lost, going, what the hell's going on? I got to find my footing. Uh, I got to get back on track, and how the hell do I do it? I got no one else to rely on but me. So everyone's got that time in their life, um, and everyone's probably – found a green light asset from that time after it happened, even though they were going through hell, everyone was probably going, Oh, there actually was a lesson I learned when I look back at that. Um, and so the, you know, in that way, hopefully it, uh, my stories are relatable. Yeah, they are relatable. I was going back through and we'll get to a, a few of the moments that resonated with me. Um, the Australia trip was one, Holy shit. Talk about being trapped. I mean, in that, in that age, like, you know, like it's, it's not the, uh, the iPhone age either where you can FaceTime people and whatnot. It was, it was the shining age. Yell as loud as you want and nobody can hear. <laughs> I just got done reading a book. Actually, the last book I read was about Australia and just how desolate it can be. And that story, I was like, oh shit, he's not going to Sydney. I, I get where this is going. He's going to the outback, basically. I think one of the coolest things about the book is that it's called Greenlight. 
and that it is uh it's about our podcast which which is really it's cool it's all so about your podcast <laughs> <laughs> we also have another thing in common our dad's played in the nfl the size sounds like it checks out six four two sixty five my yeah, old yeah, man yeah. six five two seventy one of the things that resonated with me is your, your dad you loved him you respected him but you feared him your dad was scary but when you came to him and told him i'm changing career paths yeah you know here it reminded me of my pops because what he said to you was don't half-ass it whatever yeah. you do it wasn't i want you to do this thing yeah it was do whatever you're doing 100 miles an hour and that's what my dad told me well that's you know, our dads are obviously similar in that way i mean that's that's what and you said it, your version, uh, 100, do it 100 miles an hour. My dad's version was don't half pass it. If I wasn't convicted about going, hey, no, I really want to do this, dad. And my dad heard that in my voice when I said, I don't want to go to law school, I want to go to film school. I think, and that's the first time he had ever heard me say anything other than going to law school. But the way I said that to him, he could tell that I was nervous to call him and ask him about it, but he could tell I'd made up my mind, I've been doing thinking about it, and I believed it. In 10 seconds on that phone call, he, one, is hearing his son say he wants to take a career path in the arts and not be a lawyer, which he was always expected to be. But he hears his son, me, say it in a way that he's like, oh, my son's going his own way. Yeah. He's making a rebel move. He's breaking out of the mold. He's, he, he's coming up. He's choosing his own path. And ultimately, I think that's what uh, uh, any great parent loves, about, loves for their kids. Or they, if, if we're going to bring it up, if we're going to break out of the mold, our parents want to hear us, all right, you, you, you better mean it. Yeah. You know, because we've all, I've done it before where I didn't mean it. You know, oh, I really, I really want to do this. Come on, I want to be a skateboarder. Can I just get in? You buy me the elbow pads and knee pads. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, dad, I really want to do it. I want to take it seriously. Bullshit. I didn't. You know, it was one summer and it was gone. It was a fad. But I think he heard in my voice there going like, okay, if this is not a fad you're talking about, this is something you're going to really grab a hold of and, and, and go balls to the walls with, don't half-ass it. How do you spot the difference in your own life between an idea and a conviction? Because, you know, yeah, right. as, as an ADD long sufferer here, I get ideas all the time. And I've had various costumes I wanted to try on throughout my life. You know, like, and that's not that you're not, you don't know who you are, but as you grow up, you try different things and you, yeah. and, and you see something, you know, that, lo that looks cool. I want to go do that. Yep. How do you spot the things that you're convicted about in relation to the things that are just cool ideas? Yeah. Okay. And look, I got, I still go through the same thing all the time. Now I, I can get ate up with ideas. Right. And you know, I got a line in the book, a man ate up with ideas need to, needs to be uh, put in some starvation. A man ate up with truths needs to be fed. Bad, right. Yeah. You know, and, but we gotta, you know, there's a testing time man. and, and I talk about this in the process of elimination. It's, it's hard as hell to figure out who we are and what we want to do. Right. But it's easier to start that journey by saying, well, wait a minute, who the hell am I not? Yeah. What is it that I'm not? Where do I not want to go? By process of elimination, let me let me put put over here the people, the places, the time I spend that really don't feed me. Mm -hmm. They're a green light, but they're plugged into a battery. You know what I mean? They're they're not hooked up to the AC or solar power. They're not they're not long lasting green lights. Right. Convicted about. Um, so you kind of go, okay. Um, I know for me, I, you know, as I got older, I started to realize times in my life where I was like, oh, I'm loving it. Uh, I'm single, I'm rolling, uh, but this is a stop, not a stay. Right. All right, uh, give yourself a license to enjoy this for a while, McConaughey, but you know, you do know. Or the time, you know, start dating uh, uh, a woman after, after, for me, after 28 years old. I wasn't gonna date anyone 
if I didn't believe that they might have potential for us to get together and become a long-term relationship and maybe have children. Right. Cause you at know, that so, point that's a red light. Well, at that point, you're like, you're just, no, at that point, you're probably just doing circles in the yellow light. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just, she's got the steering wheel cranked yeah. to the left and you're just going in circles and that's okay it's for a, fun a little while. But you, for a while. It's a fun circle, you know? Um, but there comes a time where you're like, let's have some ascension here. Let's, let's get down the road and see if, see if I, if the, you know, the person has the potential and is the right person for us. So, you know, Look, man, sometimes I try to measure now from my, from my life now, do I love it? Do, is it something that, you know, I, I project 10 years ahead and I go, I try to look back and have an interview with myself 10 years from now and go, mm-hmm. this thing you want to do right now, what would you, what, what would you, what you going to, what you going to think about it in 10 years? Yeah. Is it going to be something that you're going to be honored with? Is it something that's maybe going to live on for the rest of your life that you're going to hand off to your kids? Yeah. That's uh, that's the real green lights there, um, the ones that outlive us. Um, but look, man, I dibble and dally, and and then sometimes I have gotten into things that I only liked, and I learned to love them, right. and was damn glad that I took the chance because it was just an idea, but it turned into a conviction. But yeah, you got to watch it. I mean, look, I'm, I hear you. You get so many damn ideas, you look up and you go, "I need more than 24 hours in the day." And the last time I checked, they ain't given more than 24. Dude, my brain never stops, and I'm not saying that like I'm bragging. It's actually a fucking problem the book's called green lights and this is green light singular guys so for the listeners out there don't get confused um, <laughs> I, I this is coincidence you know I'm, I'm looking back through my life and i'm looking at my football career you know i played 11 years a lot of people would kill for that career you know two super bowls yeah. whatever all the things that you would think fulfilled you right but right. i sometimes didn't feel fulfilled and even at the end you really walk away from the game with as many insecurities as you do Her. victories right Right. And what's worse is in the last two years since I called it quits, I've grown exponentially as a human being. And so right. the thing that everybody looks at as, an, as a success in like your life's work, which is why I think a lot of guys struggle with it existentially when they leave the game, they're no longer yeah. that person, but you've been the yeah. same fucking person all along. That, that 11-year career obscured my, gr- my view. It, it right. didn't allow me to grow personally. There are things I've learned about myself that like, I hate that about you, Chris, or this right. is more of this, please. Or dude, I just don't like that person. I never was able to do that self inventory because I was under the gun or right. because it obscured my, my view. So is that career a green light? Is it a yellow light? Is it a red light? Well, shit is obviously, I mean, it's obviously ultimately, it's obviously a green light, whether you notice that tomorrow or on your deathbed or you're, you know, the next generation. Uh, notices it. Um, I mean, that's, that's, you know, until uh, my guess is that until you've latched onto something here, which you seem like you're latching onto things in the last two years of going, Oh, this is, I'm, I'm growing into more, more of myself now in the next, these last two years, since you retired, you latch onto something you're going to, I think probably have a new look at that 11 years. You're going to be able to say, ah, mm-hmm. you're going to probably be able to go, you damn right. I did. I, I, I was on, I was on the big stage. I, maybe I did. Maybe I felt like I was now, maybe now I'm saying I didn't grow as much as mm-hmm. I did, but, oh, come on. It, meaning, meaning a lot of things I know that I'm in, I, in my past. And I found this going back to the book that I said, I'm going to be ashamed about. I'm going to be embarrassed about. I ended, I ended up laughing at and forgive yeah. myself for and going, 
you know, obviously you're a thinker. I'm a thinker. We got to watch so we don't get that old paralysis of analysis, man, because we can overthink <laughs> yeah. something and just go, what the fuck, man? It's a Saturday. I'm just yeah. going to enjoy this. I'm not quit thinking about it. I got to play on, I got to play on the field. I got to be right. a gladiator on the field. Uh, and that's what I was for 11 years. And I came out of it and I'm still walking around. And that's what I did. I felt like I was on the playground. I mean, we get a little less, I think, sentimental about it over, over time. But it probably takes finding out what it is. What's our line now? What's our frequency, our new frequency? Yeah. When that was your only frequency, but you're going, hey, that ain't the station that really I, I ultimately want to be tuned into. Um, but I listened to that station for 11 years, and I was yeah. good on that station. I was yeah. part of the band on that station, and all right. Um, so I think we give ourselves, I mean, I know for me, I've had to learn. Nobody forgives. I forgive myself later than anybody else forgives me. I'm the last to forgive sounds myself. Sounds about right, yeah. That sounds about right. You go away, you know, you spend time with yourself, you got to figure out. Okay, what shit am I going to forgive myself for? And what am I going to say? The buck stops here. I'm not putting up with it anymore. And we got to shake hands with ourselves because we're the only seven bitches we can't get rid of. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. It doesn't I work wake up right? every morning. It and I'm right doesn't there. work. So, you know? I, I guess one of the most interesting things to me was, again, getting back to your dad because I thought that was a really, he was one of the most interesting characters in the book yeah. and maybe the central character outside yourself. Not just his support, he comes out of the gate so hot, like he's this scary fucking guy. You guys are getting in fights, you know, corporal punishment. We could save yep. that for another pod. You're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, I got hurt. I wasn't injured. Yeah. One of the coolest things was he kind of softened and show, showed his sentimental side and his supportive side at different sure. points. And then, you know, learning that he passed away five days into your, your first big movie, I wonder if you look back at it and you had him here today, which movie he'd be most proud of. Or that you could show right. him, if you could show him one flick. Yeah. Well, let me tell you about that, you know, to go back to that don't half acid. There was some serendipity in the fact that he 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 died five days into my first movie, Days Confused, right. which turned out to be a career. Right. That I'd not half assing. Right. So all those other fads like I could talk about earlier, skateboarding and all that stuff. He was alive for me to start what became more than a hobby. Right. That has always made me feel like, yes, all right, we had a crossover there. At least he was alive for that. Right. Now the movie I think that that I that I that I see him coming up to me as a 12-year-old and going, Hey buddy, you seen this movie Mud? Oh, it's a good, it's a good one. Let's go watch it. That's the one where he'd have been like, it's a good one. That was his deal. Oh, it's a good one. Oh yeah. Let's check it out. I think it was at Mud. Mud would be the one, I think. That's the one I see. He would have liked all of them. I miss, you know, sharing a script with him. Because mm -hmm. he, he would have loved reading a script and having an opinion. Or asking him, hey, do you know anybody in your life? Oh, yeah, this is all like old Don McLaughlin. He's sort of like, to hear his stories and hear him ham it up and say, he reminds me of this. And to hear a different point of view on characters and stories. I, 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 I think about that a lot um, with him. And, you know, I got stories in there about my mom. While I was on the proverbial famous stage, she wanted the limelight. Right. All right. Dad wouldn't have wanted the limelight. Dad would have been on the front row, mm -hmm. but he wouldn't have wanted to be absolutely in the in the limelight. He'd have been there as a as a as sort of a uh, real supporter on the front row. And I do miss creatively going over things with him and hearing his opinion on stuff. You ever think about that oyster shack that? Yeah, I thought that was a really cool little tidbit there, you know, and, and, and does it say anything about like this dude worked his ass off his whole life. He's got this kind of vision like, you know, you know, uh, 
Robbins and Shawshank or, you know, yeah. that beach, right? Yeah. And you never get to that beach, but he lived a hell of a life. You know, does yeah. that say something about our deepest aspirations? You can still have a successful existence that's intrinsically awesome for everybody around you, but you just don't, you never get that extra credit thing. And you could still yeah. have hit the ball out of the park. But you're chasing it. Yeah, that's what you it's You know, about. you're chasing it. I think as far, you know, I think we individually as people are an aspiration. I think America is an aspiration. Yeah. Meaning we're always chasing yet. We never can arrive. Yeah. We never get there. America's not going to find perfect social justice. Yeah. We're not going to find the utopia we chase. But that's not the point. The point is we keep chasing it. Right. And hopefully there's a little evolution and a little escalation. Our better selves, our truest selves. Man, what better thing to chase? Yeah. What better thing to be an investigator of, an interrogator of, a, a, a get up every day and being like, I'm, I'm going to chase it a little more today, you know? Right. And then we never get there. We don't have a ta-da moment. <laughs> ta-da, I made it. No, we don't have that. We never reached the shack. We never actually, you know, you get the shack. You, like my dad's dream was the oyster shack on the beach. If he had the oyster shack on the beach, Hell, I don't know. Maybe he would have been like, "Today I've retired," but I, yeah, it would have opened up new things. You know, yeah. I don't know. That's the qu somebody asked me in a mailbag the other day. We do a stone mailbag, so I sit here and I hit my pen until I'm cross-eyed, and then I try to answer our listeners' questions. And somebody asked me if I could have one superpower, or which superpower, if I woke up with in the morning, would I be pissed off about? I would be pissed off to be, and this was listed on Google. I don't know how this is a superpower. Omniscient. If I knew everything, right? I mean, it's over. It's over. That's how totally. I feel about destinations. And one of the biggest things I had to get out of my head in my own life, and you know, you're somebody who's it's a it's apparent you are an individual in the best sense of the word. You 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 never cease exploring. You're curious. I was afraid of marriage. I was afraid of a family. I was afraid of a destination. I've been afraid of yeah. destinations my whole life. When I was 18, I thought about being 40. <laughs> Me too, man. Yeah, I mean, yes. like... I hear you. So how do you get over that thing? Because you're somebody who's, like, done all the crazy shit, and I've heard the interviews, and I've read the book, and, like, you're synonymous with some crazy shit that's, like, yeah. everybody would love to just go do that wild thing, act on your wild hair. You can't, you can't get up and do the, you know, th the stuff that you did in um, Running Downhill, that chapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you yeah, know, you yeah. can't just wake up one day and be spontaneous. How do you reckon with destinations? Yeah. Well, I'm not, I, like, a desk, what I, you know, that's why, that's hence the title, green, green Lights. What are you doing in the green light? You're going. Yeah. You're on the way. That's why I don't really care for destinations. Um, because, you know, the verb is the holy word, man. The verb, which life is on the ways, what's fun. Yeah. You know, I got to, I got to, I got to, uh, my mentor who's an acting coach, I, I do so much preparation. I like to, I use, I love to come into scenes and she was like, you love to come into scenes stable. There you go. Right. You're, 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 you're solid. She goes, okay, you've done the work now. She goes, you want to have some real fun? I go, yeah. She goes, come into the scene on one leg and try and find your balance once you're in it. Right. That's what's fun. Right. It's not the, it's the overcoming of whatever, the finding, the seeking, the on the way uh, that I find so fun. Then it's like a relationship. Families. I'm with you. I was scared of marriage. Family. Jeez, oh man, get married. Wow. Is the adventure over? It sounded like death for a while. Am I like, you know, as a younger dude, you know, my lovely as wife, Meg, dude. who, you know, she's maybe 50 50 listening to the pod. Meg, you know how happy I am to be married to you. I love you so much. I love the kids so much. But we've talked about this. There's a there's a fear, you know, for some people settling down. 
but once you settle down, you realize it's it's really no different. Life's um, possibilities are still endless. And then wild new adventures open open back up. Yeah. You know. Um, but and how do you keep it going though in a relationship as well with our wives? How do you keep? We want to keep chasing each other. We don't yeah. want to get in a relationship where we're like looking at each other going. Okay, I know everything about you. You know everything about me. It's ho hum. What do we do now? Yeah. You know, we want to stay on the adventure yeah. with our partner and and charge forward. Having kids is part of that adventure for sure. Yeah. But that's not all of it because we made them and we got to remind them of that that we're first. <laughs> Mom and dad are number one. You know what I mean? It's healthy um, to be, you know, not number one, but like 50 50. Hey, I'm still important here. And my, because if I don't feel fulfilled and I'm having some midlife crisis, and I'm like losing my mind because I haven't traveled or I haven't gone to do this bucket list thing or that thing, then I'm not going to be as good of a dad either. Well, 100%. And the best, you, you know, the husband, the best thing, example we can give our kids is to, to show them how we love our mo their mother. Yeah. You know, and that that's the best thing that, that the mothers can give the kids is show them how they love their, their dad. Um, but hey, we got to watch this thing too. I'm sure, I don't know about you, but. Camille and I got to watch, man. We got three kids and we got my mom here with us who's 88. Damn, man. There's some nights where all of a sudden we look up and 10 o'clock at night is the first time we're going, hi, hey, yeah, yeah. how you doing? Whew, I just finally got the kids to bed, handled everything. Uh, and we got to go, hey, let's not have too many days, days in a row like that. <laughs> we got to sneak off for a date or some solo time somewhere and check in a little earlier. Yeah. And she's really good about reminding me of that but that's part of keeping that ad adventure going i mean you know you're now you're not married you got kids it didn't it, it hadn't got less adventurous no we cannot we cannot tomorrow we can't you and i can't decide right now let's go to africa tomorrow with a backpack we'll be back with a one-way ticket we'll be back when we're ready to come back that's no. irresponsible we can't do that mm -mm. Our friends understand that now. It takes them a while that, hey, Chris, you can't wait a minute. We should just call you up I and we can go. I need 12 hours before I go down to Miller's in Charlottesville here and, and slam eight right? butt heavy. So, I, yeah, no, but you know what's replaced is like when I do go to East Africa, and it's funny you mentioned that, like, and I'm climbing Killy or whatever, and all we have is a fucking sat phone. It's the most terrifying thing in the world. I feel tethered. Where, you know, at one point in my life, albeit very brief, I had the autonomy to make moves I needed to make, yep. but without being tethered. Then, you know, we had kids and we, and we started a family. Now, I actually don't mind being tethered because it's a trade-off. The kids were like a missing piece for me. You know, like the right. old Shel Silverstein thing? Like, I searched for my identity far and wide. I knew who I was, but like, why am right. I living? Because to yeah, live for yeah. myself is insufficient. And at some right. point... And actually, it came right on time because I was going through a tough time in my career and it was questioning, you know, existential stuff, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. which is dangerous. Uh, and the kids came along and I felt like, holy shit, this is why I've, this is why I'm alive. You know, so the tethering, there's a trade off. Well, yeah. Well, you go, you know, there's that I've heard this quote about, you know, you can you ask someone about the meaning of life and someone can end on exercise. We could talk about it forever. But you ask, ask your someone ask you that right if you had your first newborn. You're like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's as simple as that. You yeah. tell, you know, you, the older man tells the, the new father tells the young man, what are you talking about? This is it. Yeah. You know, life, a birth. I just help create something that just be, you got introduced into the world and it's a living breathing thing Except now i am immortal we're not needed the first fucking six months so that's when you feel like this no you're is not scary. we're kind of a blob yeah we're just, <laughs> we're just useless but man six months on it was like i just fell in love with this new a different kind of love that i've never felt and yeah. you know actually i was going to save this for a minute from now
you know, I got my little fucking workflow here. I'm interviewing Matthew. I'm going to be on, on top of it. It's all going to be in order. <laughs> Fuck that shit. You reminded me of Interstellar, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm not going to lie. This is not a lie. I cried today, okay? Because in 2014, it hit me hard. I'm not a person that watches movies over and over again. I don't know about you, but like even my favorites, like that movie in particular, I've watched maybe two, three times. I watched, I got on YouTube today to jog my memory to ask you about the, the movie. And it's the, the scene where, you know, you are on the spaceship and you're talking yeah. to Murph and company and your son. Yeah. And, you know, it's a powerful scene, but I just started crying in my office at 11 in the morning. And for me, what that movie was at the time was confusing, but also exhilarating and like, trying to make sense of all this and then seeing yeah. this and digesting it again is like, I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about, it illustrated the inevitable prospect that you and your loved ones will no longer be together. But the, the mind fuck in that movie to me was that you have the ability to consciously digest that as, as Coop. Right. You know, like you're living yeah. and breathing. Yeah. And Talk about tethered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so I guess is that, did you think about that when you made the movie? Like, have you thought about that as a theme with that movie? Cause I know there's a thousand for me. It's like, holy shit. That's what scares me about death. It's not dying. We're all going to die. Right. You know, they're going to put me in a furnace at some point, but like, cause I don't want to be buried, but like your kids, man, like not being able to know them and be with them anymore. And then that leads me to think, why are we even doing this podcast? Why do we do any of the stuff we do? Shouldn't we just be in their faces all day for the moment that we're on the other side, whether that's in a, in a library in the fourth or fifth dimension or it's the afterlife? Uh, I think it's good. We, we have our podcasts in life that are, that are independent from our kids. You know what I mean? It's good for them to get yeah, bored you, on their own and figure, it, figure out how to do stuff. No, the re that, the, you know, the reentry is fun. Uh, that, the, how you doing at lunch is, is also fun, but not 24 seven. No, maybe, um, maybe but, just less time though. There's so many things that, that yeah. I do, and you talked about that, uh, you know, with your wife and it's like 10 o'clock. You're like, I haven't seen you all day. Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. prepping for stuff or I'm running around and doing stuff. And I, I just, it hit me this morning. It's like, there will be a point where we can't be together anymore. Sure. And that's what struck me about that movie. Yeah. Well, you talk to, you know, the, the, the wisest elders I've talked to do all very soberly say, enjoy this time with your family and your kids and your, and your wife. That's what's really important. And these are people that have, many of them have succeeded you know, wealth and success career beyond. Um, I often, I know I'm very selfish, man. I have, I love, I, I'm happy to, to love what I do. I'm happy to, uh, that I, that I keep chasing down stuff and creating. I need work for my own self significance. Yeah. I'm going to, I think I like to accomplish things. I love to make my list and mark them off. You know what I mean? What I've done that day. Um, I need that structure to feel like myself is significant. Um, if I was just with my kids, I'm good on a vacation with my kids for a, a couple of weeks. Meaning I can handle being in nothing but the kids and me having a great time yeah. for about eight days. Yeah. And then I've got to have a little something I got to check in and build on my own. 
you know, uh, on on the side and still continue the vacation, but not completely free um, just to be with nothing but my, my, my children having fun. Um, yeah, man, I I've I've gotten a, worked into a pretty good relationship with with death, I think, um, and our our impermanence that we are and the impermanence of this life. Um, but I, and I think what turns me on about it in the, in the kid part, and I said this word earlier, once we have kids, we're actually immortal. Right. So that's not the end right. that we pulled off the big magic trick, having the children and making mm-hmm. the children with, with, with our, with their mother. Yeah. That's, that's our, that's our shadow. That's our light that we leave. That's the big green lights we're talking about that we leave in our lineage behind us. And hopefully they can have children at the very base Darwinistic level. We've done that. We've survived. We've, we've helped procreate. We've stayed alive. Yeah longer pass after we're gone. So that, 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 that excites me. And I, I don't, you know, I want my kids to be autonomous. I want them to be self-reliant. Um, I want them to be confident. Um, I want them to be kind. Um, I want them to be conscientious, all those things. But you know, what do we got? I can figure if it's, I don't know what it is now. My house, it was, you turn 18 done. You're out of the house, move yeah. on, whether you want to or not. I, you know, now, nowadays kids stay around the house longer. I'm hoping my kids are going to want to go. We're out of here at 18. <laughs> We, 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 yeah. we've, we've got hope and hopefully Camille and I've done a good enough job to have them suited to nego- negotiate the world on their own. And it, that'll be hard. I've heard many a father go, boy, taking your kid, dropping them off at college the first time, just father's weeping. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. out of the house. What are we gonna, you know? Yeah. Um, and now I have to watch them from afar and hopefully we, you know, we get to watch them fly and we've, we've, we've let them step in the right amount of shit. Well, by the time they turned 18 to be able to navigate and negotiate that in real life. And let's see. Hey, we'll have a different conversation. How old are your kids? One and a half and four. Waylon will be five in March. So Okay. Well, I got 12, 10, 7. Yeah. So there's a great African proverb that no man should be a, uh, an actual leader until he has raised kids through adolescence. Okay, well, I'm not there. You, so, can, you so can be a captain of an NFL team, but I don't know shit yeah. about leadership yet. I, no, and it's it's readily apparent, but I do think as long as you know that time is a fucking freight train, like, yeah. and you're aware of that every day your feet hit the floor and you go see your kids in the morning and, the, and you know how quickly they're going to change, if you have that mindset, I think you're okay. But yeah. it's inevitable that you're going to want to slow it down. So, I mean, let, let's take a hard right turn from death yeah. to like Interstellar was a great movie, okay? You've nice. made a lot of great movies, man. And, and, I, and by the way, Mud, the scene I remember was the snake scene because it reminds me of Lonesome Dove and I hate snakes. Yeah, you remember the scene that, in Lonesome Dove? Hell yeah, I remember that Lonesome. I just sat my... Uh, Kids and mom, we, we watched it during quarantine. We sat there and did it over four nights. It was great. We just <laughs> Is that it. one of those, like, Dad, what the fuck? My dad, on a rainy day in Montana, we're on vacation up there. We go every summer. And he has the whole family in there. And he's like, it's movie day, guys. I got, I got a great movie for everybody. <laughs> And this is kids spanning, you know, 18 to 30 years old. And, you know, there's guests in the house. And we sat there and he's like, yep, it's called Deer Hunter. And so we all, <laughs> yes. so we all yes. watched Deer Hunter. And by the time Russian Roulette rolled around, I'm looking at my dad like, what the fuck, dude? Are you it s- is a great movie. The whole fucking room is like, Howie. And he's like, I forgot it was this dark. So, so it is a good movie. <laughs> but bad, but but bad movies, okay? Like, and I'm talking about things you deem bad movies because I've had bad games and it's and it sucks when you are in the meat grinder and you know, like 
It's going to last three more hours. You get made fun of on Twitter. You know, you could get stiff arm like Josh Norman the other day. Like, we take our lives right. into our hands, our masculinity into our hands when we step onto a field. But it's not subjective as much as, like, you're sharing your art, your soul. And I know that, like, you might say, well, football, you know, and downplay it. But what you guys do is you share your creativity and you bare your soul for people who are just consumers. Right. Have you ever been in a movie that you're like, yeah, this ain't working? Like, if I'm in a bad game, I know we're getting drugged and everybody can see that. Do people talk yeah. on set and you're like, man, this thing's fucked? Like, you know, or do you worry about that? You, you just could, have to hit send. No, I mean, look, so I've been in, I've been in movies that felt great going in, felt great in the making of it. Then all of a sudden I see the final product. I'm like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> That's not, were we not making what we thought we were yeah. or did they go just screw it up in the editing room? Right. Is there a great movie on the editing room floor? Yeah. Um, and I've been in the editing rooms, trying to help rearrange things with, with, with studio heads, trying to fix things, uh, have failed at that, have helped some things out, put some band-aids on some situations. I've also had the other way around where I'm not sure if it's going well. I feel like I'm doing my job. But remember this, this is part of the reason why I wrote, why I wrote a book. What I'm doing, when you're on a football field, you have zero filters. It's direct contact. It's live. What am I doing? I'm doing, I'm performing someone else's script, being directed by somebody else, being lensed in a camera by someone else and framed, edited by someone else before my raw expression gets to you in the context of a story. So there's four filters it's gone through. Now, my goal has always been, let's close those gaps. Well, that's why I ended up going off to write a book. There's one filter. Yeah. It's a, it's a written word to you. Right now, the interaction or what you do when you used to play football, that's no filter. Stand-up comedians is the most direct form of expression. Yeah. You know what I mean? Terrifying, it's it's there. You're live. There is no re-record. There's no take two. Yeah. Um, and it's a direct and unfiltered connection. That's sort of the the the, uh, the ultimate place to I go. I saw you say that on Rogan. Yeah, I saw you say that on Rogan about you yeah. made this book, and part of the motivation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was I don't know. For me, I'm a bit of a control freak. I'll admit that. Cowboy Reed behind here, my producer's like, "Fuck yeah, you are. Like you want things done your yeah. way, and that and that can suck. Yeah. But as long as you know." It can be awesome though. Yeah, let's let's, let's hit that for a second. Yeah. A lot of people get try to people talk about people getting a bad rap for knowing for for being a control freak. Hey, it's a hell of a lot better than showing up to your boss and then boss going, I don't know. Hey, whatever people in Hollywood, people go, oh, but that guy or that girl, that actor, actress is so weird. They need all these things. I'm always like, are they clear about what they need? Right. However goofy, weird, idiosyncratic, are they clear? Like, yeah. I'm like going. Then say thank you. Yeah. Give them whatever they want. Set them up. Be let them be as weird as they want to be. What you don't want is someone going. I, I don't know. And then just all of a sudden come up and saying I want this, and they the people that are supposed to do it go. Well, I don't know how to get that done for you. I think that's why people that know what they want scare people. Yeah, because they're going fucking places. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm not saying I'm going anywhere. I might just be going to the editing bay after this to piss Cowboy Reed off to tell him, no, I like this done this way. But I do think that being in control and finding that line of where like, okay, you're a control freak that's like toxic or like you're a control freak yeah. that's that's particular about this is what the fuck I want and this is right. how I want it done. And that's okay. If you're the boss, you can do that. But you're the that's boss awesome. writing this book. But on the field, yeah. like if if I'm a victim of a bad call, the people at home don't know what the bad call is. If you're right. the victim of a fourth filter on a movie, you know. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, by the way, I had a drone 
uh, you know, one of those DJIs that you go take up in the mountains and take cool pictures. Yeah. I named it Coop, so I'm a method consumer. Oh, there we go. Yeah, you method did method consumer. You did method acting. I do method consumer. I also I, I also crashed um, an Impala SS because I got it because of the movie Drive. I totaled it the second day. I was really into the nice. movie Drive as well. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> you are a method consumer. Method consumer, uh, man. Method consumption. Yeah, man. Um, I wanted to ask you about the industry because of COVID and the pandemic. And yeah. I know what it's doing to sports. That's a complicated deal. But like, I miss going to the movies, man. I really, it's one of my favorite things in life is to go to a theater and eat some candy and some popcorn or maybe some pasta that I brought in from a restaurant. Are you okay with that? People bringing food into movies? I'm fine as long as you don't in my ear. <laughs> Pasta's okay, it's not over the line. I've been told hey, by some hey, people. Hey man, I'll bring. <laughs> My homemade tuna fish salad. Oh. Now that's not a that's not a sound thing. That's a smell thing. Yeah, but I'm like, thing. forget it. Damn, there's a hippie in here or something. Oh. Yeah. So what what's happening in your industry right now? Yeah. So a lot of my peers are working. Yeah. They're on sets. They have what they call these little bubbles and these pods of when certain people in a crew and how many come at what certain time. They're still making movies. They're still creating content. I'm not right now. Yeah. I'm 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 over here bearing down with my family and my 88 year old mother, trying not to bump into this 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 COVID thing. Um, mind you, I'm in a privileged position to be able to do that, but that's what I'm doing. Hey, so how much of right now is the new normal? See, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of I'm it. I'm gonna hug people when there's a vaccine. Okay, I don't. I don't care. I'm, uh, some people say handshakes are gone, hugs are gone. I can't live without hugging my friends. Or, well, you you will, but there are millions out there that will never do that again. There are millions out there that are never going to a theater again if there's even a theater to go to. Um, look, our floor has been, in our industry, has been moved beneath our feet in a, in a in a real way that things are going to change. I don't know. Do do, do films become? a more of a uh, an event that's once a month in a secured area that you buy a ticket too early and you get tested and you're every it's all set up where like a, a luxury event in the cinerama dome where you have your own sort of pod that you're watching collectively the movie i i don't know i don't see how right now the theater business they just they're just trying to keep their head above water right now I know. um and how do we consume it? But this has been a question even before COVID. But the, how we consume our, our 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 entertainment? We you know Quibi just went down, and that was about consumption on this thing. Right. Um, you got small screens. You got TVs. You don't have to plan to be there Monday night at eight p.m. when the show's on because you can order it whenever you want. You can stream it on on Netflix. Now the now the question with streaming was always: Wait, is, is streaming cannibalizing the theater experience? Right. In actuality. You could argue that no, it wasn't. It was actually feeding the the, the theater experience. People that want to watch it at home, watch it at home. People like yourself, that's great. I want to go to the theater. Mm. That's where I want to consume it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm going through this now with the book. Audio? Does audio cannibalize the the readership of the of the hard copy, mm -hmm. or does it say no? It actually makes me want to go buy the hard copy. Does the hard copy make you want to buy the audio? Does does one feed the other? It's just choices, um, I guess. 
I think that they can they can feed each other. I just don't know if physically coming out of this uh, when you know how much how much of how much of what we're doing right now with sports and the reengagement of people is just a grand experiment that may bite us in the backside. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I look up in a year and go, actually, I was overly cautious i would love to be wrong about how it's cautious always I'm. better to be overly cautious and we're doing the same thing and that's one thing and you mentioned the privilege of being able to stay home and work from home and all that stuff and get to be around your family you you mentioned theaters we were talking about you know theaters going out of business there's one ratty old theater here in charlottesville that's long out of business and it's like one you know they all turn into roller parks and shit like that right you were there, bro. You came to Seville to do the time to kill for John, who was my baseball coach. John, oh, really, Grisham? Yeah, dude. I got, nice. I got in trouble twice because John Grisham sent us on these baseball trips, and I would get in trouble on the trips and come home. And it's bad to piss an author and a football player off at the <laughs> ride the bus all the way home. Are, are they still open? Are nah, they holding their head above? Nah, no, nah, done. Uh, it's been a while, you know. But okay. In general, I think they're all struggling. Is there a biopic when things get get rolling again that you're like? I want to play that guy. I don't know, man. I mean, I've been circling for years. Evil Knievel. Perfect. I think it's got to, got to, got to get that, got to get that script right. Uh, yeah. Cause I got to know him pretty doggone well. Really? Um, yeah. And you know, his stories, <laughs> he was a badass. His, his, his stories were, were, were incredible. I spent a lot of great time with him and had a lot of, a lot of late night phone calls with him as well. But I got to tell you this, man, I'm what's, what's turning me on right now and hopefully will continue to turn me on is what's the role that I want to play in the big show life, right? The one where the recorder's always on the one that, action was called when i was born and there will be you get one take and they will only say cut when i die it, what, what am i doing well, i quit acting like one what kind of hey be one you know what i did yeah. let's go yeah. let's go um turn it it's live it, we're in it yeah. we're being the, the the camera is rolling um who who, who are you going to be so that that's that's what i'm challenging myself and this sort of leads back to our earlier conversation about what is it you know family and fatherhood and husbandry and how are we leaders um, um and are we fit to be leaders in what in what areas um do we have something that we can share that can be helpful for ourselves and the most amount of people that's I'm, that's the, what i'm trying to chase right now is what the, what is that answer for me what's my legacy choice to make uh, uh now and going forward um I feel like my values are in pretty good order. They get rearranged from time to time, obviously, as all ours do. But that's what I'm looking at right now is I, I still want to act. I still want to go put put something, a performance in a capsule that you can go watch in a theater. But I'm really interested in this more existential question of like, what, what about the big show, bro? Big I show. dare you. Yeah. What about I dare you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that. This is the one that's that's. To turning me on. And look, that was part of the fun of writing the book. You know, a lot of these truths were more exciting and wilder and funnier than most fiction I read. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, you have you have done some things that are could be movies. There's a lot of there's a lot of movies in this book yeah. or, or at least characters, you know, that I've met traveling the world. And, you know, you're a traveler culture, man. That's yeah. been my greatest educator. And. Hopefully we're back where we can still, I still want to go back to Molly. I want to, I've been I'm, every week. It's on the tally to take my family back there to meet those families. Right. I can't go back 
or I can, but it would be foolish because they're in, yeah. they've been in a civil war yeah. for so long. Yeah. And my good friend over there lost all of his tourism job. He became a farmer. Um, just as he becomes a successful farmer, five years in, he gets, you know, a group just comes and takes over his house one night and steals all his farm animals. So now he's broke again. But, I, you know, I, I, I want to travel again. I keep traveling around the world. Like you said, you want to go to the theater. We want to get out there and re-engage and, and move around this big backyard called Earth again. Um, and I want to do it with the family this, this this time and hopefully, you know. So let's see. I'm, 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 I'm questioning the big show. Good deal. Question the big show. Real quick, two football questions. One, prediction for the Texas-Oklahoma State. Give me a score for that if you can. I know you like gambling. I wish I could have talked to you more about gambling. I love sure. the callback. I love calling back to that Buffalo Bills uh, Oilers game. Uh, I, I lost a lot of money on rice on the quad doink, so I hear you on the gambling. <laughs> the quad doink. How I got in that hole with fucking rice is absurd. I didn't know it was. In the, I didn't even know where the university. Where did you? It's in Houston. Where did you even? Where did you find rice? The rice football. Blame game? your boy Stanford Steve. Uh. Stanford Steve and I do a gambling show. He gave it out. He's like, bro, you got to get on rice. Okay, so give me a, a prediction for that game and then one compliment for the Oklahoma football program. Sure. Uh, prediction on that, uh, Texas plays uh, the, the big games well. We, we can come out of uh, Stillwater 35-31 mm. victorious. Compliment on Oklahoma. My compliment to you, Oklahoma, you Sooners, is how you compliment us, the Longhorns, every time you do this. <laughs> Thank you. You are using our sign to get your confidence. You know, all you really got to do if you want to get technical about it is turn over and now it's facing up again. It's not that hard to do. Thank you. I hope you get your own sign one day and you can be proud of that. In the meantime, welcome to keep putting horns down for us. It is a backhanded compliment. Well, they've always been thieves, haven't they? The, the whole mascot is predicated on running out there in the field and getting the land first. It was somebody else's. So, uh, hey, Matthew McConaughey, uh, this has been such a pleasure, man. It's great talking to you, and the book was awesome, man. I can honestly say it went fast. People should go check it out. Green lights. Lots of answers in there and a uh, really introspective look. Thanks again, Matthew. Right on, Chris. I enjoyed it, man. Yeah, man. Have Take a good one, brother. Yes.